Hey everyone, welcome to Epicurean Unicorn, the podcast where we delve into the science and art of bread, patisserie, and so much more. We're interviewing and conversing with experts on these items so that we can better understand and help you learn more about the wonderful culinary world we live in. Our hosts, Amanda, Brayden, and me, Connie, will be guiding you on the delicious adventure that we have in store. So sit back, buckle up, and get ready to rumble. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Epicurean Unicorn. I am your host, Brayden, here today, and we're going to have a nice, quick episode because I am on my way out the door to the IBIE convention. You heard us talk about this convention on our show with the ABA, so if you are going to be in Las Vegas in about the next week, stop by IBIE and say hello. I'm also looking to set a Guinness World Record for the most number of acronyms I can use in one podcast. Today on our show, we spoke with Anthony Day. Anthony is the host of the Sustainability Futures Report, as well as the Sustainable Futures Report blog. He was uh, wonderful to speak with, and Anthony left us with some wonderful messages around sustainability. And what was really great about them was the positivity of Anthony's messages. That makes me very excited to share everything that Anthony had to say with all of you. To hear our conversation with Anthony, we, of course, have to get down to Club Unicorn. So let's go. Let's go. We're going to go down these steps. We're going to go through this door. We're going to say hello to Unicorn Bouncer. We're going to give a tip of the cap to Unicorn Chef, who has prepared some wonderful food for us today, all of which, of course, was locally sourced. We were thinking carbon, as Anthony is going to teach us in this episode. Very important. Think about the decisions you're making and think about the impact of the carbon. You are probably wondering, how do I get into Club Unicorn? That is a great question. All you need to do is give this show a five-star review on the podcast app of your choice. Then write something nice with your review, or not so nice. We really are not that picky. Then go ahead, take a screenshot, send that to us at epicureanunicorn at parados.com. And we will share that with everyone here on the show. And you get to come into Club Unicorn, enjoy the food, enjoy the decor, and the all-around fun, fantastic time we are having. All of that being said, let's now get right to our conversation with Anthony Day. Hit it. Anthony, thank you so much for taking time out for us today. How are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you this afternoon. Oh, it's fantastic to have you. Now, for you it's afternoon, for me it's morning. You're coming to us from York in England, so thank you so much for visiting us virtually across the pond. Well, as I say, it's a pleasure. It's, um, yeah, it's looking good here. Uh, One of these days, maybe I'll come across and see you, but that's uh, something I've not done so far. Okay, we would love that. We always enjoy having guests and uh, everyone, we're outside of Philadelphia, so everyone, if you come, like everybody else, we'll have you run the rocky steps, and we'll feed you some cheese steaks. Sounds <laughs> great. Everybody loves in Philly. Now, you are the presenter of the Sustainable Futures podcast. You are an expert in the area of sustainability, which is why we want to talk to you today. Sustainability is a buzzword right now. Why is it a buzzword right now? What's going on that has this at the tops of both 
you know, individual people's minds, but also corporations' minds. Well, I think if you go right back to the 1970s, uh, to paraphrase the definition of sustainability that they made then, what they said was sustainability is about enjoying a standard of living without preventing future generations from enjoying at least the same standard of living. And that means we mustn't use up all the scarce resources, we mustn't pollute, we mustn't pollute the atmosphere. And I think sustainability has become a buzzword, a a key issue and so on, because the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, with their conferences, their COP26s and COP27 coming up, are all saying we are actually going too far. We are damaging our environment, we're damaging the planet, and the future for future generations is not going to be as good as the future or, or, or as our present if we don't actually get things under control. And we can get things under control, but we need to take action. I love that paraphrase of that definition. That's actually one I haven't heard before. I'm just curious, personal curiosity, who or what group in the 70s came up with that? Uh, The lady was called Gro Brundtland, and she was, I think, a former prime minister of Denmark. And uh, if you Google it, you will find exactly Mm -hmm. what she said, which is a bit more elegant than what I said. But that was the guiding principle. We mustn't leave the planet in a situation where those coming after us cannot enjoy the standard of living that we enjoy. Wow. I I can't even think of a better way to define sustainability. I'm going to steal that because I'm asked oftentimes in my job, what is sustainability? What what are you trying to do around this and why? It reminds me, I used to live in Burlington, Vermont, mm-hmm. and there's a company up there called Seventh Generation, which you may or may not be familiar with. They sell cleaning products here in the United States, and their guiding principle was all of their actions should do no harm to the environment for the next seven generations. Wow. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's a great principle, and I hope, they, I hope they held to it. I hope they managed to achieve it. It is. Yeah, it is. It's, according to them, it was a native, an indigenous person's principle from the U.S. That was something that the tribes who lived in that area of Vermont followed. So the company, as part of their history, being from that area, they picked it up. Well, that's a great principle, but if you look at some of the things that we are doing particularly the vast amounts of single-use plastic that we use, unfortunately Mm -hmm. some of that is going to persist in the environment, in the watercourses, in the seas, for at least seven generations. And, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's going to be extremely difficult to get it out, but at the very, Mm -hmm. very least we must do everything we can to stop adding to it. Certainly. And that's actually a great segue. I don't want to jump too far ahead. We all know, though, that sustainability is an important topic. We all know, as you just said, we're taking actions that are against the principles of sustainability. We're causing damage. People, both individuals and corporations, they want to do what is right. They want to make changes. A lot of people, though, they love their standard of living and they don't want to make changes. It's easy to have a single-use plastic. That means there's a lot of objections when we're trying to put sustainable practices into motion. And I don't want to put 
the cart before the horse here. You've just you've got me thinking now about what do we do? Because the actions we're going to take are different across industries in some ways, whether you're a corporation or a person. There's similarities, but there's differences. But there's always objections. What do we do when we have to overcome objections from people around this topic? Well, I think if we start off with single-use plastic, it is a very, very difficult um, thing to overcome. Because look at plastic. Mm. It's a wonder mm-hmm. product. It's very cheap. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it can be transparent. It's moisture-proof. Mm-hmm. It's odour-proof. It keeps uh, products safe. And uh, it doesn't weigh very much. So the carbon footprint of transporting it around uh, is not much. That's mm-hmm. why it's a good idea mm-hmm. to put uh, drinks in plastic bottles rather than glass bottles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's an awfully difficult problem. We, we do need to suggest to people that it's responsible to control the waste. Okay, single-use plastic. But if you've got single-use plastic, do, if at all possible collect it, recycle it, or at least make sure it gets into a controlled waste stream and not chucked at the side of the road or into a hedge. Mm-hmm. But looking at the broader situation, you can still have a good standard of living without actually having exactly the same standard of living. And mm-hmm. I think this mm-hmm. probably goes beyond corporates, and I don't want to be political, I'm certainly not going to be party political. But I think Mm -hmm. we've got to look at the overall society and we've got to ask Mm -hmm. questions like, what do we want out of life? The way things are set up uh, in the West at the moment is that we want money and therefore we work. And unfortunately, we spend so much time working that we don't have enough time really to enjoy our lives. We are spending our money on consumer goods, and consumer goods give us a certain amount of satisfaction. Uh, They don't take up much time. But if we change the business model so that we spent less time working, we had a shorter working week, we retired earlier, we might not have the goods to buy, but instead we would have more time. And we could use that time for sport, and we could use it for music, or for theatre, or for arts, or for crafts. And above all, spending it with our families. So, all right, that sounds a bit utopian, but I think, I think that would be uh, a lifestyle which a lot of people would, um, uh, which would appeal to a lot of people. Mm. Um, and I think that, given that we have gone so far in my lifetime towards automation and artificial intelligence mm. uh, to control all our production processes, why we are still working forty hours a week or more? When we've got the technology which will do so much for us, I don't really understand. This is really interesting because when I hear this, what I hear is you're taking the ideas of what I'll say is physical sustainability, environmental sustainability, but also taking them and putting them on kind of through a health and well-being of the people lens. You're saying well, maybe it's not just our practices towards the environment that are not sustainable. Maybe it's our practices in general towards our our lives, our existence. And I know since none of us are time lords, we can't make more time, right? None of us have, for those who will get the reference, a TARDIS to jump in and time travel back to, uh, you know, re-experience anything. I look at what other groups, other organizations, other countries are doing, And out of Europe, I see a lot of countries or companies trying the four-day work week, seeing how they can cut down 
the amount of time employees actually have to work, make sure they're working on only value-added tasks to give them a more sustainable existence, a better life. Yeah, and there are two sides to it. If we, if we gain more in terms of leisure time and we are consuming services rather than consuming products, then that is reducing manufacture, that is reducing mm -hmm. waste. And that brings us back to the pollution problem. But the other aspect, of course, of waste is the circular economy. In other words, mm -hmm. the not just the reduce, reuse, recycle principle, mm -hmm. but the reduce, uh, reuse, repair, repurpose, refurbish, mm -hmm. remanufacture, and ultimately recycle, mm -hmm. so that you are using the, not only the, the resources, the material resources for whatever the product is, but also the energy and the human labor that went into it. You're getting the absolute maximum out of it. And mm -hmm. that, of course, is reducing the burden on the planet because you have to mm -hmm. dig up less raw materials. You have to grow less raw materials. And you're, at the same time, adding more value out of, uh, out of, out of that product. But we're obsessed. I mean, you know... You're in, as soon as you buy a new smartphone, you're encouraged to upgrade. Throw that mm -hmm. one away, get another one. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to. And the same applies to a large extent with cars, with fashion. Uh, I think that's because these physical products give people a buzz, a buzz which they can't get from uh, leisure activities because they don't have the time. So mm -hmm. I, I'm thinking that we're going to need to switch towards a fulfilling life, but a fulfilling life where we're interacting with others and, and we're doing more things in the way of services rather than just buying things. You're giving me about eight different directions that are, are really interesting to me. I love the other R words that you're putting in there instead of just, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle. I have two small children, and I don't know where they sometimes get the mindset from, but something will break, and they'll say, oh, let's just go to the store and get a new one. And I'll go, whoa, 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 time out, time out. I can fix that. It's not a problem. One small part, a little bit of glue, guess what? It's fixed. Don't worry about it. And it's generally as good as new. That leads me, though, to a question I want to ask. In the U.S., another buzzword is upcycling. So as you start talking about reduce, reuse, recycle or I want to ask about upcycling. Is that something unique to the U.S. where we take, for example, a single-use plastic, we collect them, and then there are companies that turn those into, say, a park bench? They call that upcycling. Yes, okay. Is that part of the solution? Is that just a stopgap method until we're using less of, say, single-use plastics or these other items that need to be upcycled because they take so long to break down in a traditional landfill. Well, it's certainly part of the solution. If you gather okay. what otherwise would be waste and might disappear into landfill or even blow in the wind, then mm -hmm. if you're remanufacturing it and making a park bench or, or a cabinet or, or something like that, you've locked it up for a very long time. So, yeah, it's got to be a good thing to do. It may not be the whole solution. Okay. It isn't the whole solution, mm -hmm. but uh, mm -hmm. it's certainly something to do, yeah. Okay. That leads me to wanting to move a little bit into the food industry if I can, because mm -hmm. people are always going to need to eat. Yeah. And the whole idea of packaging is very important, especially when we went through COVID, foods that were never packaged are now packaged. What 
are you seeing around that topic? Like in the food industry, what trends are you seeing or what could we be doing differently or better to make sure that our products, which people have to have, we have to make food and we have to get it to them. How do we make the food, get it to the people, but still do right by the environment? Well, I think you've got to think out of the box. Um, an example I saw today, I actually saw it on the supermarket shelf today, and it's something I've been aware of for a long time. You know how if you buy a six-pack of beer cans, they come together with a sort of plastic mm -hmm. net which holds them together. And that's a dreadful yeah. thing because uh, it, it uh, gets into the watercourses, it damages wildlife and so on. Mm -hmm. The one I mm -hmm. saw today, they just put a dob of glue on each can and they just stuck the six cans together. So you pull them oh. off and there's a very little bit of plastic or glue left and that's uh -huh. all. So that's okay. thinking out the box. Now, as far as um, packaging food is concerned, a lot of these things come in, in uh, transparent plastic. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's transparent, it appeals to the consumer. The consumer not only can see what it is, but see mm -hmm. how good it looks. So yeah, yeah. it would be very risky if you actually went for a plastic which wasn't transparent. Mm -hmm. But can you use a, tr a plastic which will biodegrade? Can you use, well, I mean, there's a number of things. There's, there's, there's starch-based plastics, aren't there? But mm -hmm. again, you, you've got to be able to make it hygienic, Mm -hmm. sealed against moisture, sealed against uh, aromas and things like that. It's it's a tall order, but I'm sure there are people in the packaging industry looking at that sort of thing. The other thing is that almost certainly if they do come up with a wonder product which has all the benefits of traditional plastic uh, but biodegrades and doesn't become mm -hmm. a, a, a pollutant, the problem will be twofold. One is it'll almost certainly more, be more expensive and when you're putting uh, food items on a supermarket shelf, you're talking about fractions of cents, aren't you? Uh, mm -hmm. when, you when you're looking at the costs, so that's a problem. And I'm quite sure the petrochemical industry will fight back hard because, <laughs> you know, uh, if we're going to take the, the gas-guzzling cars off the roads, mm -hmm. then plastic and things like that is going to be where they're going to earn their money. Yeah. So it's a dilemma. It really is. And it's not a dilemma. I think that the market will solve. I'm afraid government's going to have to come in and nudge and nudge with with perhaps mm -hmm. with taxes or with regulations and things like that but they've got mm -hmm. to work with industries because uh, you know they can only promote what's possible and what's practical yeah. so there's work to be done there there is it, well it's interesting because i go to packaging expositions not for the last two years <laughs> haven't been to one and there are you've talked about it there's all these plant-based plastics mm-hmm they generally, though, are a little more brittle. They're yeah. definitely more expensive. And they don't last as long because they're meant to break down. Mm -hmm. And so we're partway there. I find it interesting, though, that you mentioned there has to be intervention because where I see in the research I do some of the most interesting uh, topics, it's universities who are trying to solve these problems. Sustainability is an enormous topic. There's all sorts of aspects to it. Well, it is. And that's where when we talk, I start thinking about, oh, wow, I haven't necessarily thought for a long time what you're talking about. We're touching this aspect of the industry. So I'm thinking the food industry, right? We're touching certain aspects of the industry. But then you brought up, well, you're also affecting the petrochemical industry. 
if the food industry starts to buy less traditional plastic. It's a lot to solve. Let's, let's just say that. We don't want to leave people thinking that this is not possible. What can even just individuals doing? What can those of us listening be doing in our daily lives? What little changes can we be making? Yeah, I get asked that a lot. Uh, I come back with a, a bit of a mantra and I say, think carbon. Think carbon. What does that mean? Well, basically, we are trying to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide going into the atmosphere because, of course, as we know, that causes global warming. In turn, that's likely to cause extreme weather and so on and so on. So think carbon. That means everything that you eat, everything that you use, everything that you wear, it has a carbon footprint. When you decide to buy a product, think about what the carbon footprint of that might be. Uh, if you buy fresh fruit off, uh, off a stall, has it come by air from the other side of the world? If you buy a car, think about the gas mileage, because um, obviously that has an effect. Mm -hmm. And if we move to electric cars, do you need such a big car? Because a mm -hmm. big car is going to take a lot of resources and that is going to have an environmental impact. Yeah. So just sort of at least once a day, think carbon and, and make your choices according to it. You could say, shall I have a meal out or shall I go to the cinema? The, the difference between um, the carbon footprint of those two possible activities could be quite, quite significant. Of course, some cinemas, you can go and have a meal at the same time as watching a film, mm -hmm. but that's something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least then you've only driven in your gigantic car to one place. Yes, exactly at least. right. <laughs> I get a laugh in the U.S. driving around when I see, especially a person of small stature, get out of a giant car and it's just them. Mm -hmm. I, I hit my head and I go, why? Why do you need that car? Yeah. I want to ask, though, because I love cars. I bought a plug-in hybrid a few years ago. I almost went full electric, few personal reasons I didn't at that time. So this is unrelated to the food industry. This is me just being interested in this. We hear so much. We have some people that say electric cars are the answer. And then we have other people who say they're not the answer. The grid can't handle it. We're still going to be making the power in a way that uh, raises greenhouse gases and the batteries are terrible for the environment. I'm just simply curious as an expert on the topic of sustainability. Electric cars, more harm than good? I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here. Which, which, which way do they go? It's Complicated evolving. question. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. evolving. It really is evolving. Mm -hmm. um, battery technology is developing. Lithium iron is what we use at the moment. We may mm -hmm. come across, uh, well, there are a number of other uh, technologies which are under review at the moment, but then you've mm -hmm. got issues um, about recycling, issues about energy density. In other words, you might need a bigger battery mm -hmm. for, a, for a given range and that sort of thing. Um, a heavy car, whether it's an electric car or it's a petrol car, um, produces more particulate pollution. In other words, as, as the tyres degrade, these mm -hmm. tiny particles get up into the atmosphere and uh, most of them eventually wash into the oceans. So when you think about it, your tires wear out. Where does that rubber go or whatever it is? Mm -hmm. It goes to the road, the road gets washed by the rain, uh, the water goes into the drains, it goes into the ocean. So a big, heavier car is going to have more in the way mm -hmm. of that sort of pollution. The other thing that we can look at, though, 
is urban transport and public transport and whether we mm-hmm. do need a car for every journey. A lot of people cycle, a lot of people walk, but it all depends on the distances, it depends where you live, it depends what you've got to carry back from the shops, and all those sorts of things. I mean, personally, I think I would uh, subsidise taxis thoroughly to make them really cheap so that uh, you would get um, a vast amount of utilisation out of one vehicle, mm-hmm. you know, so that people could go to the store and they could bring their shopping back in, in, in a taxi. It all depends on all so many things, and it depends on people having the resources to be able to mm-hmm. uh, to, to to change their their lifestyle in those sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. It again, it goes back to like you said, it's a large, complicated problem. Mm-hmm. The 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 grid issue is is important. Uh, I think in the U.S. you still have a significant amount of electricity generated for, uh, from coal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the United Kingdom, we're down to about three percent. Okay. Or, or uh, and on some days none at all. Okay. Uh, and we've closed most of the power stations so that we can't uh, open them up again. Although with the present um, issues with gas supplies in Europe, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you're aware of, then yeah. any coal plant that is still working is going to be reopened this winter. I'm afraid. Ultimately, we're going to move towards renewables even further basically wind and solar and people say ah but the wind doesn't blow all the time the sun goes down at night true true uh storage is expensive but there are lots of different ways of storage and one of the most promising seems to be hydrogen because if you've got surplus energy from your wind Mm -hmm. or from your solar you can use it to produce hydrogen and once you've got the hydrogen you can store that indefinitely and -hmm. then you can burn that in a gas turbine just as you'd burn natural gas and Mm -hmm. use that to produce electricity, even in the pitch dark of night or when the uh, uh, when the wind isn't blowing, there are solutions. But yeah, it's an ongoing situation. It's certainly you know more and more research, more and more development. That's what's needed. In in this conversation, everything I'm hearing is we need to you know think about our actions, think about the consequences those actions have, and then try to make the best decision we can every time in the food industry we also always talk about buy local and the driving behind that is generally speaking lower carbon footprint generally speaking also you're supporting your local businesses local economy which are all positive actions to take as we start to wrap up here we kind of began by talking about what do we do about objections And, and i'll raise that again So we're asking the listeners to think about the actions they're taking. If they say, well, this is too hard, this is too difficult, what do we say back? As somebody who has customers, and I say to my customer, well, just so you know, we're not going to package your samples that way anymore. We're now going to do this. And what that means is that you will not be able to throw it away. You'll have to find a place to recycle this packaging or or a way to reuse it. And they say, well, that's too hard. Just send it in something I can throw away. Well, what do I say to them? What what do we say to these people? Nothing's easy in sustainability. No. No. Well, it depends. If you're the only company doing it, you haven't got much to say. They'll say, I'll go and Mm -hmm. buy from somebody else. But if Mm -hmm. you have an industry consensus, then the consumer doesn't have a choice. And... It's it's got to be it's got to be PR. It's got to be an information campaign. We are doing mm-hmm. this because this these are the benefits. These are the benefits to the environment in which you live. 
these are the benefits for your um, for your future generations and all this sort of thing. Of course, the difficulty is that in a lot of cases we're saying to people, look, if we don't do something now, then by 2030 or la- the latest 2050, it's going to be mm-hmm. absolutely dreadful. Mm-hmm. And they say, I'm trying to work out how to make my money last to the end of the month, so just don't mm-hmm. bother me. So we've got we've got to take it in very little steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've everything is made up of very, very tiny steps. So if we say to people, you know, you could do this enormous effort right now, they are going to say, oh, too hard. Mm-hmm. But if you mm-hmm. can introduce little steps and make them as painless as possible and make people understand, no, no, not make people understand, help people understand, explain mm-hmm. why, mm-hmm. gradually get them on board, then maybe that'll work. As somebody said to me, the average environmentalist tells people if we do nothing at all things are going to be really dreadful and if we start now it's going to be really hard and pretty dreadful so you've got two choices both of which <laughs> are pretty horrible nobody wants <laughs> we've got to be much more uh, much more realistic mm. and uh, if we believe as I believe that we have got a future we are able to change things so that our, our future is a good future mm-hmm. then we've got to tell people that there's a way forward it's a different way it's not business as usual but it need not be hard if we start now and if we mm-hmm. understand what we're doing and why we're doing it yeah it's that way with everything isn't it it's understand the why explain why and show people a positive path forward positive absolutely them, positive right don't have a doom and gloom message show them if we make these small steps, this is the positive outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Accentuate the positive. I think that's a great message, just for sustainability, but just life in general. Accentuate the positive. Anthony, this has been really, for me, fascinating, educational. We've just skimmed the surface of this huge topic. I could keep you here for hours talking because this is something I find very interesting. And as part of my job, I'm responsible for putting sustainability practices in motion. It's something I work on almost every day. Mm -hmm. And a big part of it that I work on is how do I reduce what's incoming to my facilities to make sure that we have less outgoing. I love talking to somebody who really at the end of the day is is saying to me, it sounds like you're doing the right things. That's what I've heard from you today, so I'm happy. <laughs> you've you've yep, made my day. I think day. you're right. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Braden. Thank you very yes. much. I know. It's been wonderful. I would, though, anyone who's listened to the show know that I can't let people go without putting them on the spot with just a few questions that they're not expecting. Oh, great. Now, You have really, truly been lovely, and you've given me a wonderful education, so I'm going to take it easy today. I'm just curious, uh, your favorite soccer club or football club, I do apologize. Um, Do you have one, or are you not a fan? I don't have one, but my son is a fan of Liverpool, even though he lives in Australia at the moment. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fascinating. All right. Liverpool owned by the same people that own the Boston Red Sox, my favorite baseball team. Okay. 
Interesting. All right. And you'll get the theme here in a minute. We're definitely playing mm -hmm. into English stereotypes. Uh, T, I love Earl Grey. Do you have a favorite? I quite like Lapsang Souchong, which is a smoked Chinese tea. Mm -hmm. I like that, yeah. Don't drink it every day, but mm, uh, yeah. yes. Okay. I drink well, Earl Grey from time to time as well. Well, I mean, it's the tea of a captain, so everybody knows that. <laughs> captain Picard's favorite tea. Okay. And then one more, and this is, I would totally accept if you say you can't defend it, but I ask almost everyone I know from England, can you please explain Marmite to me? I, I don't understand it. <laughs> well, you'll either understand it or you won't. I mean, Marmite, it's legendary, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You either like it or you don't, and therefore people um, talk about all sorts of other things as a marmite issue mm -hmm. you know they're, they're talking about some of the candidates for the uh, prime minister which we're going through at the moment they're saying yeah. some of them are the marmite candidates in other words some people love them and some people cannot stand them oh wow i didn't know you also used it in that way that's great yeah oh wow well anthony thank you for playing along there at the end this has been wonderful where can people find you so they can continue on this journey of sustainability and continue educating themselves well the sustainable futures report podcast is on all the main podcast sites and i always publish a complete text of every episode and that's on my website which is sustainablefutures.report fantastic so everyone can check that out after they've checked this out anthony thank you so much i hope you enjoy the rest of your day Take care and stay well. Thank you, Braden. Enjoy the rest of your day too. Our thanks again to Anthony for coming on the show and sharing his wonderful positive message of the future and of sustainability. That was my main takeaway from speaking with Anthony, is that when we are talking to people about sustainability, we have to show them the positive change that we all need to see or that we all would like to see, really. And when we break it down into these small actions and we give it in a positive light and we show people how this is really an approach that is going to help not only the planet, but them and everything about their life, we can really have a great positive impact on the people and the planet because that's the goal. The goal is to have a positive impact so that our children, our children's children, our children's children's children, our children's 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 children. I'm also looking to set a Guinness World Record for how many times I can say the word children in a podcast or children's. I'll take either one. That's the goal, though. All of these generations, the next seven, eight, nine, or even 47 generations, they need to have the same or better quality of life than we are having right now. Again, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on. I hope everyone listening decides to take the challenge and think carbon and every day take a decision that you're making. Think about the impact it has on both the people and the planet. And let's together all try to make the best decisions for the people and the planet. Everybody, take care, stay well, be safe, and as always, we will be seeing you. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you have questions, comments, baking troubles, or are just epicurious about the topics discussed today, you can send an email to epicureanunicorn at 
If your question is short and sweet, we may even feature it on the show. Epicurean Unicorn is a production of the Parados Corporation. Help us to keep spreading the magic of food through continued conversation and the pursuit of knowledge. This has been a Studio 47 production.